Curry down the right sideline. Screen by Porter Jr. Curry takes a three. It's up and good. A heat check three off the screen. Curry's got 29. Five seconds to go to Poole. Poole crosses half court. Fakes and fires from half court on the way. He got it. He hit it from half court. Poole walks away and says, yes, sir. I got this. The Warriors against this very good Boston team took them away in the second and third quarters with great defense. And we go to Boston all tied at one. And if we get five more games of this, it, this, this series, I think, has a real chance to be a classic. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Wait, did he say if we get five more games of it's a 30 point blowout, it'll be a classic? Yeah. No, no. We don't want no. five more games of that. No. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Of all the complaining I've done about blowouts in the NBA Finals, game two ended up as a blowout. But we got the first half was close, two-point game, and then... I'm kind of okay if I'm choosing and picking between my blowouts with the blowout being because Steph Curry was on fire for 10 minutes. I like that's at least entertaining to watch when Curry just goes nuts. Yeah, but I would take someone and I don't care who winning in five if you get all two to three point games. Oh, yes. Yeah, what yeah. do I care if, if they go seven? If the same team won the next three games and but all it was three all like of them three were three to five point games and yeah. it came down to the final minute, yeah, then give us some buzzer cares? beater shots or yeah, something like that. Yeah. It, a, a possession in the final 30 seconds where the game can be tied can be or the or, lead or can change. Yeah, exactly. Like, we got one of those in the conference finals. It was Jimmy Butler's game seven. Right. And that that was it. Because part of the fun of talking about basketball is talking about what players and teams do in the final minute mm-hmm. of a one-possession game. And we've gotten to do that once in, like, three yeah. or four weeks because there hasn't been a close game. There's not been a, uh-oh, did they blow it? Should they like, that's part of the fun of this. Yeah. And we don't get to do that. Now, Curry going nuts for 10 minutes and Jordan Poole hitting a half court shot. Cause he felt like it. Like that's still fun. I still enjoy parts of that, but you know, um, one thing we didn't get into earlier, Draymond green kind of tried to pull down Jalen Brown's pants <laughs> at one point. Um, they both Jalen Brown took a shot into the second quarter and Draymond green was closing it out they ran into each other. It wasn't really anything bad. And they both ended up laying on the ground. Brown stood up before Draymond green. And I don't know if they were saying something to each other, but Draymond green, like kind of made it look like he was trying to help himself up, but was just pulling down on Jalen Brown's pants. It's almost like he was like, Oh, I'm going to use your pants to help me stand stand up. up. But he was really just pulling his pants down. Didn't actually pull him down. Jalen Brown grabbed him before they actually like went to his ankles or anything like that. But it's like, that should probably be a technical, right? Well, let me go back to what we were talking about, uh, stars getting um, preferential treatment. Because Draymond, I think, could be teed up twice in every game. (laughs) Do you believe that there's more leeway towards him because of that? Because they could tee him for so many things. And he he gets to, correct me if I'm wrong, he gets to talk to the refs a lot more than other players. Yes. I mean, he really gets to talk to them where other players, they're like either shoving him away saying get away or teeing him up. Yeah, th- there's a different line for Draymond Green. Yes. And he he crosses, like you said, the normal line every oh, game multiple times. But there's a different line for what he's sort of allowed to do. I am curious 
this is this is gonna be a weird question given the Draymond Green. I am curious how like respectful Draymond Green is when he's yelling at the refs. Like, how many times is he just yelling? Like, oh, is he just conversing with them? Right, and just being like, "Come on, man!" Like, right, versus right. like cussing the referee out, right? Like, because I feel like Draymond Green doesn't cuss the ref out. I a don't lot. think he does either. He just has just a lot he, of he has a lot of leeway with how much conversation right. he can have. And I wonder if you're a ref and you're like, "All right, Draymond's gonna yell." It's just Draymond. But, but if he's just yelling, "Come on, man!" or "I didn't touch him" or something, right. we're we're not gonna tee him up for that. Right. But obviously, if he starts you know, cussing at us, uh, we're hitting him with the T. And if he pulls the guy's pants down, eh, we'll let that one go, I guess. Not a big deal. Was this here. the one where the feet got tangled? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The feet got tangled when after Jalen Brown had taken a shot and they were trying to get up. And he or pushed whatever. his feet down. Yeah, it was uh, very, right. very strange. Um, we also had, though, Anna Horford, who is Al Horford's sister, tweet out that Draymond Green was dirty. And then followed it up with Jordan Poole has followed his lead. I love family members on Twitter. <laughs> I love them. They are phenomenal. Players that don't have their immediate family, like under a veil of social media secrecy. Phenomenal. Give me all of the sisters and parents and significant others <laughs> tweeting out that the other team is dirty. It is great because we have Anna Horford. She called Draymond Green dirty. And then said, Jordan Poole has followed his lead. It's phenomenal. <laughs> it's wonderful. Because the thing the thing Jordan Poole did yesterday, he got called for a technical foul. But they actually went back, reviewed it, and took it away. But he went up for a layup, missed it. Derek White had contested it. So Derek White and Jordan Poole slid to the ground. Derek White was on the ground briefly. White jumped up and went to try to run back and join the play. And he sort of like tried to jump over Jordan Poole to get back into the play. And Jordan Poole put his hand up and sort of hit Derek White's feet. And did he they trip him? They caught, he did not actually trip and fall. They called a technical foul, but they went back and reviewed it and took the tech away because I think they kind of determined, oh, he was just sort of protect, sort of bracing himself, like, oh, right. there's a person flying above me. It, was, it did not look like an intentional, I'm going to grab this guy and make sure he falls right. down, which would have been a technical foul. But... That I don't think was dirty, but I think that's what Anna Horford was mad at, that Jordan Poole kind of sort of tried to trip Derek White. But the problem with the call, the Boston Celtics had a four-on-four. They were sort of pushing the ball up the floor. And if Derek White joins the play while Poole's on the ground, it's five-on-four. Right. But the refs stopped the play, took away a potential five-on-four opportunity to call a technical foul, which if you're the Celtics, fine. We get a free throw and we get the ball. But, but then, then they, they erased the technical. the technical away, which allowed Golden State to set their defense up and play five on five. So Boston should have had some sort of advantage there, and the refs managed to take away either scenario where they would I have had I think Curry's advantage. wife in the past has had some opinions. Oh, she has been. Yeah, yeah. She's had some opinions. She yells at people, too. It's great. I, I, well, it's hilarious. I, oh, hilarious. I want, I want, like, Anna Horford and Aisha Curry, like, yelling at to each other. To go at each other? And, like, like. Does Jalen Brown have a brother that can just yell at people too? Like who whose dad or mom is gonna start yelling? Yeah, it's phenomenal. John Morant's dad? Yeah, oh, even though his kid's not even in yeah, the series. Just start, just yelling, start at yelling at people. At people. Like I I genuinely love that. And I want all of the brothers and sisters and all of the parents and all of the significant other to start and screaming does at somebody each other. have like an eight-year-old kid on Twitter who's like just yelling at people. It'd be great. I'd love this. It'd be phenomenal if we could get more of that. Um, one other topic on the NBA that 
it was a big conversation point leading up to the to the start of this series. But do you does finals MVP matter? Well, I think it's in context of do you think it matters for people's legacy Hall of Fame and so like Steph Curry, like he's right the minute he's eligible, he's in, whether he has one or not. Let me ask you this. So Kawhi Leonard has two finals MVPs and two championships, but he, he's been hurt a lot, uh, and he hasn't maybe reached the – although he's got two titles, I shouldn't say that. But is Kawhi Leonard to you an automatic Hall of Famer right now? That is a good question. Probably. He prob- Two finals MVPs. Yeah. And that might have a lot to do with it. So here's the thing, though. I don't feel like I've ever been overly concerned with how many finals MVPs a player has. No. Like, I don't no. think I've ever looked back and been like, oh, how many finals MVP yeah. does that guy have? Like, I wouldn't I've, even know. Half the, I mean, I assume right. LeBron has a lot, but I wouldn't even know how many he would have. Yeah. And it's weird that, that that was such a big talking point for like, oh, Steph Curry needs a finals MVP. And I'm like, no, if they win the series and Clay Thompson or, or, Gray Don, or something you know, Jordan like Poole. that, like, who cares? Yeah. Like I, I don't find like regular like regular season MVP I find to be a pretty big deal. But like they gave the finals MVP to Andre Iguodala in yeah. the, one of the Warriors championship years, and then Durant apparently won the other two, not Curry. Andre Iguodala didn't even average like ten points per game in that finals. Like they just thought he had a good enough all around impact defensively and everything to earn it, and that's fine. But it's very like it's very clear the Warriors little dynasty run here, which. They win three titles, go to five finals, take two years off with some significant injuries, and now they're back in the finals. Steph Curry's the most important player of this entire run. There's no doubt that Steph Curry is the most important player. We don't need, oh, a finals MVP from Curry. To to justify that. exactly. I just, I don't know. It's a very weird thing. And, hell, after game one, Al Horford was the MVP. MVP. Exactly. So are we going to look back and say, oh, Al Horford, that was his team. No, if the Celtics win it, it's Jason Tatum. What if the Celtics win and Tatum gets it and Horford's wife goes crazy? Oh, that'd be fun. She'd be on Twitter. Al deserved that. You are. Oh, you are right. Siblings or parents or significant others yelling at teammates. Oh, that that won the championship. That would be phenomenal. That would be awesome. Yes, I'm on board for that because that's even better than yelling at opponents. Oh, sure. Because yelling yes. at opponents is one thing. But it's if normal. We, if Anna Horford was mad at Jason Tatum for something. For winning the MVP. Oh, that'd be great. That would be a tremendous. Can Aisha Curry be mad at Jordan Poole Jordan or something? Poole. I don't know Draymond who she'd be Green. mad at. Yeah, that'd be phenomenal. I'm 100% on board with this. We need. No, I, I couldn't even tell you. Now they've got these. Uh, they've renamed the MVP of the conference finals, Magic and Larry, those yeah. trophies. I mean, I know Steph won. I guess Tatum won. Tatum, I have no I clue. Tatum won, yeah. I think Tatum would have won. But those things are league MVPs, I think, are important. Yeah. If you're, you're a league MVP. If you're the best player for so many season. months. Yeah. But this one, couldn't care less. No. Wouldn't even know. Uh-oh. Jason Tatum has more Larry Bird trophies than LeBron James. He must be better Yeah, he than must LeBron. be better than LeBron James. Uh-oh. Knock him out. <laughs> it's great. It's great. So there's your NBA finals. Um, Celtics still winning in six? Can't go back on it. I mean, you can. You no, always do no. that. You make a prediction, and then you're like, I can't change. No, I can't change. And I'm like, yes, you can. No, I don't want to. I don't but, want to. I said Celtics and six. I'm staying with Celtics and how six. How come sometimes you're like, uh-oh, I can't change? But when we talked about AFC during the NFL season, you changed every week who the best team was. I can't answer that. And that one, you would have been right. 
stuck with Cincinnati. <laughs> That's right. That we, been... we were like week six, and you were like, it's the Bengals. And then and they if you had the stuck Bowl, with that, you would have been like, oh, look been at awesome. me. <laughs> but you changed every week. If you had come in and said every week, I can't change, it's Cincinnati. Oh, you got to say with the Cincinnati Bengals? You would have been proven right. You would have still been taking a victory lap about that. <laughs> I would have. I would have talked about it but for years. But you changed every week? I would have been talking about it for years. So one quick uh, fun stat on Draymond Green with his technicals. Since 2016, every year since then, he has been in the top 10 in per-game average of technicals. Sure. Since that season, he has been in the top five, five of the seven years, and he's been in the top three, four of those five years. Do you know, does it say on whatever you're looking at, how many times he's been ejected for two techs? Uh, I do not, but I can see if I can We're find going ejections. To break soon. Don't worry about it. But my anecdotal guess here, he's got a ton of technicals. But he hasn't been ejected, ejected a lot. Right. Doesn't right. actually get the right. second doesn't and get, get the thrown out one. of the right. game. Because like we said, he's got a different line. He yes. crosses the regular yes. line, but he crosses he's got his the own line, line too yes. enough to get a technical. Yes. But he's smart enough and maybe gets a little bit more leeway from the refs that he doesn't actually to get, get, the, get second the second one. one. And get shot out. Get uh, he's got to do something game. really bad to get right. the second one. He'd have to actually pull Jalen Brown's pants or punch off. somebody or do you know yeah. flagrant or something like that Kick to get the somebody second one. in the nuts. Yeah. Uh, that happened. Wasn't he? Wasn't he ejected in the uh, Western Conference Finals? Yeah, he did. But yes, like, he was. That series had like somebody ejected every game for like the first four. We were like, oh, okay, just <laughs> who's getting ejected today? All right, it's it's actually Draymond Green's time. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's briefs. Bischoff's briefs. I wanted you to see these player evaluations that you asked me to do. Bischoff's briefs. I asked you to do three. Yeah. Bischoff's briefs. To evaluate three players. Yeah. How many did you do? Bischoff's briefs. 47. Okay. Actually, 51. I don't know why I lied just now. Bischoff's Briefs today is taking a look at the Golden Knights and some roster construction ahead of next season. Obviously, this team is over the salary cap. There are going to be some changes. We'll see how significant they go. Do they just try to trade away one, maybe two players and roll with what they have? Or is there something bigger that happens? But story in the athletic about the Golden Knights. And basically some quotes from players about how this team should play, how they want to play. And a few guys gave us a very similar answer. I'll read Max Pacioretty's here. We've always been a team that has relied on four lines. When guys have to play more minutes, you can't play the way we want to play. It's just impossible. The way we want to play playoff hockey from game one. You just can't play that way for the amount for that amount of time. Nobody can. That's why we took pride in being a four-line team. That's kind of what we had to get away from due to the injury problem this year. So the idea for Max Pacioretty is somewhat of a hockey cliche, but there is some truth behind it. The idea that you need to play your third and fourth lines, be able to play them significant minutes and not lose games, right? You can put your third line out there and listen, maybe you don't win because of your third line. Maybe you don't win games because of your fourth line, but you don't lose games because of them, and you can steal away 12 minutes for each of those lines or something like that over the course of a game. 
That's what Max Petrae is effectively saying here. That's what the Golden Knights, especially in year one, when they didn't have as much high dollar players, uh, they played all four lines. Right. All, I mean, Gallant, it was a little bit of a joke, but Gallant was almost indiscriminate about it, right? It, he would often say, Belmar. oh, we play four lines, but it, it, they did to a large extent there. But here's the question now. You take that Max Pacioretty quote, and you look at the Golden Knights roster breakdown here. Uh, here's the stat from the Athletic. The Golden Knights' top four players, Eichel, Stone, Petrangelo, Pacioretty, account for 43% of the salary cap next year. Four guys almost make up 50%. If you take their top 10, they account for 81% of the salary cap plus their top 10 players, which means they have roughly $16 million to fill out the other 13 roster spots, which is an average of $1.2 million per player. Now, that's if they're going to make moves, though. I mean, they right. could they could roll on from Pacioretty, and that would change they dramatically. Could. That would make a big difference here. But if Stone, Eichel, Petrangelo, and Pacioretty are back, all come back, their top four take up 43% of the cap it becomes almost impossible to have a team where you can roll, roll out four, four lines, lines right because your fourth line it happened because of injury this year but it could happen next year because of salary cap space looks like Jonas Ronberg looks like Jake Lashijan looks like they played Dylan Coglin a defenseman as a forward right that's your fourth line because you can't afford to pay a fourth right. line because they've got to be making the league minimum because your top four guys or top 10, whatever that number ends up being, make so much money. So it's fascinating to hear Max Pacioretty come out and say, the way we want to play, we need to be able to play four lines because it's it's tiring, right? It's exhausting. We've got to be able to trust our third and fourth lines. But the way the roster is constructed, their fourth line and probably their third line aren't going to be very good. Right. It's going to be league minimum Unless guys. they make some major changes. Right. So I wonder, and the new coach isn't in place, but I wonder from a front office standpoint and whoever they hire as coach, I don't know if this gets factored into the conversations with whoever the potential new head coach is. I wonder how much they care about that. How much do McPhee and McCrimmon look at it and say, you're right, we've got to be able to play four lines. <laughs> So we need to make a major move or do they look at it and say, nope, we've got the top end talent. That's the way to win the Stanley cup. We'll hide well, Jake Lecision and Jonas Ronberg as much as we can. I mean, McCrimmon also gave us during the uh, exit interviews, the four line yeah, uh, it's, quote, but it is it's a, a big cliche. It's like, a huge cliche. cliche. Every who doesn't want to do that. Right. There's not a team in hockey. who doesn't like, well, we'd like to roll out four good lines right. and not everybody can obviously or and, do. The interesting part about hockey, to compare it to, say, basketball, for example, basketball is usually about who has the best player or the best two or three players, right? Normally, if you've got the number one guy, you're going to win a lot of series in the postseason. You're going to win a lot of games in the regular season. Or if you have the best two or three, right? Hockey's a lot closer to, like, a weak link sport where it's more important how bad your worst player is. Than mm -hmm. it is how good your best your best is. players are. That's why it's like, oh, Connor McDavid finally made the Western. Yeah, Conference but look at final. who he's playing alongside. And, and after after the first or second right. line, he's clearly the best player in the sport. But the guy can't. The, the Oilers can't win anything because right. the worst, the bottom of their roster, the worst players on that team have been really bad for a right. long time. Whereas a lot of these teams that end up winning have great third and fourth lines, or they 
at least aren't a net negative when they put their third and fourth lines. Right. They allow on the, the top two lines some rest. Right. And they don't so mess it up. Hockey's a sport comparatively to basketball that it's much more important how good your worst players are than how good your best players are. And so the Golden Knights are a top heavy team who have, if they're fully healthy, have really good top end talent. But based on the way the roster's built, based on what the salary cap is, the bottom of this roster is probably going to be really bad next year. Yeah. And then you sustain some injuries. All of a sudden, the bottom of the roster is the middle of the well, roster. And I mean, I hate to say it, but you know they're going to sustain some injuries because they can't they can't yeah. uh, get past that. Right. I mean, number one, it's hockey. Everybody gets hurt. Number two, or is there? Why would you think this team's going to be healthier right. next year when everybody's older? Right. And just to be specific on it, we've talked about it with Mark Stone. He's coming off. He's coming off back surgery. major back surgery like, at. 31? I think it's 31. Like, I think he's 31. To to expect, and maybe like he does next season, but to expect Mark Stone to just be Mark Stone and be healthy for an entire season? It's a big reach. Right. I mean, it might happen, but that's probably not realistic. And even if it does happen next year, you're sort of looking into the future. This is going to be a multi-year problem for the Golden Knights because right. these guys have long contracts. To expect Mark Stone to just be healthy for another four or five years is whatever it's left on his contract. That's unrealistic. Right. Like Mark Stone's going to miss games here in the future. So it's, it's an interesting situation. The golden Knights are in where do they want to maximize top end talent or is it more important for them to have a better bottom lines, bottom pair and all that stuff? Because the easiest thing to do is to go into the off season, make one significant trade. The Don off. Yeah, and then, yep, we're under the cap. Our bottom lines are going to be super cheap, and this is our team. Look at our top-end talent. Right. But if you take what Max Pacioretty, if, you, if Max Pacioretty, if what he says is what they should do, then they need to make two And it or could three. be Max Pacioretty. Right, exactly. Well, how it, ironic would that be? Would be. We He's need like, to roll out four lines. Max Kelly needs to see you. You are right, Max. That you is a right. great point. And the only way we can do this You've is You've been traded to salary. Arizona. <laughs> You get to play at ASU. That's right. Very small arena, very compact. But I do I do wonder what exactly they try to do because, and, and this is where, I don't know if the coach has a big say in it, but this is where I'm fascinated what the front office sees. Do they really think they build a championship contender that just got derailed by injuries? Or do they look at this and say, we are too top heavy. This is right. a ridiculous amount of money to be spending on four players because we're probably not going to win anything if this is what our top four looks like. Tampa, according to the story, Tampa and Edmonton are the other two teams that are similarly top heavy. And obviously Tampa has won two Stanley Cups. Granted, two years ago, they were top heavy, but they you, they exploited long-term IR. So they were right. well over. Exactly. Their, their yeah. cap in the postseason was significantly yeah. different from everybody else's. Right. So a little bit of misnomer, but like Edmonton, super top heavy. They don't do anything. And a lot of it can be pointed back to maybe it's because their third and fourth lines suck more than everybody else's right. third and fourth lines. And that's a big deal in hockey. Whereas if we were playing basketball, well, it's like you've always said about Luca, Luca can win games by himself. But you get to the playoffs. So you better have a two and a three. Right. And we're not even sure if Brunson's enough of a two. Right. And he probably isn't, and right. that's going to be a big reason. Yeah, Luca can be Connor McDavid right now. Where yeah, he can win games in the regular season just by himself. Right, and they got to the Western Conference Finals, but weren't truly competitive in that series, which is kind of what Edmonton, the Oilers, are looking at right now. So this will be a fun off season.
can can we just get through the damn playoffs so we can get to the whole draft and postseason? I mean, or, I, or free agency and everything. The next three days is mini camp for the Raiders. You know, they're you know the Golden Knights are hiring a coach one of those days. <laughs> that's that's an automatic. We're gonna call a, you Wednesday. We're gonna from be out Raiders there to camp. put the binoculars, and you're gonna call and say Barry trots yes. at one p.m. Yes, they've hired a coach, and it's he's Barry trots. All right, coming up next, Kevin Bollinger joins the show. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from Fox Fies is Kevin Bollinger. Kevin, I've got an important question for you. Do you Shoot. think if you had a pair of binoculars and you held your phone <laughs> up to the front of the binoculars, could you get a good picture of Raiders practice? I was, you know, I was expecting the first question to see what are you expecting to see at, at mandatory minicamp. And I said, I'm just hoping to see something. I'm over 50. My eyes are going bad. And I mean, I got to look uh, half a mile away to see what's going on on the other field. Uh, uh, will you have binoculars out there? To Vegas. Will you have binoculars out there? I, I will not. Uh, probably. I, I'm hoping that, that now that we're in mandatory minicamp, maybe a few more bodies on the field. I hope they're going to utilize all the fields. And uh, we'll get a better look uh, uh, at something other than uh, stretching here over, over the next few days. I think we get the punter and kicker. <laughs> like we we, we did the other day. That was all yeah. we got right in front of us uh, was uh, the, the Daniel Carlson uh, long hair that he's grown out here in yeah. the offseason. Maybe Free that to be you and me guy. Yeah. Wait a minute. How long is Derek Carr's hair? He, uh, had, the, he had the mohawk thing at the yeah. draft. What's he looking like well, He hasn't like grown it out. Okay. No, he hasn't grown out. I guess he hasn't talked to the media, so he might not know yet. No, from what we saw from 100,000 feet away, he has not grown it out. <laughs> he takes off his helmet a few times of practice, so he, uh, he has not grown it out. Let's get to minicamp. Uh, do you expect everyone to go there? I mean, there are a couple guys out there with uh, potential contract extensions coming up. Do you expect everyone there tomorrow, Darren Waller? I do, uh, because I think that, you know, A, they've been showing up at the OTAs, and, and B... I think that just character-wise, I, I just think that the agent would want them to hold out and say this is a bargaining chip. I just don't think that that's who they are. Uh, and with a new offense being installed, uh, I think that uh, we're going to see Waller there. We'll see Renfro there. I mean, look at Hunter Renfro. Uh, he's in line for, for one, two. I mean, he might want to wait a year because the slot receivers have done pretty well in McDaniel's offense. Uh, he might put up even bigger numbers this year, and uh, he might might get in on the cheap if, if the Raiders can, can sign him this offseason to an extension. Uh, if you were Waller, or I guess Renfro in this scenario, like, do you think either one should hold out? Like, Should either one be saying, no, no, I, I need to get a new contract before I actually play this year? I don't, personally. I, and, I, again, it goes back to, to character things, and there's still some time left for them to do that uh, next year with Waller. So I, I think that, you know, this year they're going to play things out. I think that they're both in line to have big seasons. When you bring in Devontae Adams, those double teams that Waller's having to deal with are now going to go towards Adams, and he's going to get the ball a lot more if he can stay healthy. And so I, I think that, you know, while sure, you want to get the, the money and then everything signed now, but should it not happen this off season? It's going to probably cost the Raiders more next offseason because I, I think I expect big seasons out of both of them. Would you be surprised if they go through minicamp just to see if Colin Kaepernick's still in the fold here, perhaps in the back of their minds? 
I'm sorry, Ed, I lost you for like two seconds in the I, middle of that question. If, if they go through mini camp and, you know, they, uh, it'll probably get into training camp and, and, and games, but do you think Colin Kaepernick is still on their minds? No. Huh? I, I think that uh, uh, if they do that, never tell us. We get the stock answer that we got uh, <laughs> during the OTAs. I, I think that uh, they, if they would have done, if they were going to sign him, I think that they would have already and brought him in and, and gotten the extra work in with the OTAs. Um, you know, I, I could be wrong there, but I think that, you know, they, they traded for, for uh, Jared Stidham for a reason to, uh, you know, bring his knowledge of the offense over. And, and I, I just think that they're content with what they have at that position. Looking back at it. Do you think that was a Mark Davis-inspired workout, or do you think that was Ziggler and McDaniels wanting to see what Colin Kaepernick could, could be? That's a good question. I mean, I think that we didn't need to know that answer as to, to, you know, what was behind all of that, and and I don't know if we'll ever find the answer to that question. Uh, I, I think if we do, it'll probably be coming from Mr. Davis uh, uh, rather than the coaching staff, but... Um, you know, we'll have to see, too, if Kaepernick gets uh, some other workouts with some other NFL teams here as, uh, you know, they move towards training camp time in July. Uh, he did not, correct me if I'm wrong, the OTAs were at, we were at, Josh Jacobs uh, did not participate. A lot of the times in the past he hasn't done OTAs to kind of keep his body fresh, but this time's interesting because of how crowded that room is, how how the Patriots have used their running backs in the past, and people just assume McDaniels is going to do that. Do you expect a positive Josh Jacobs not not having his fifth year option picked up? Yeah, I mean, without the option being picked up, uh, his his absence from the OTAs has been interesting, certainly. But at the same time, uh, you know, you have to look at it, I guess, from a, a standpoint of he's got to go out there and perform to make money. Whether it's going to be, you know, the next contract is with the Raiders or with another team, he's got to put something out there. Uh, so I, I would uh, anticipate that he's going to do what he can to get, get his best effort out there because, you know, as a running back, especially with the short lifespan that we know that, that the modern-day running back has, uh, he needs that next contract. That's the one that you, you always play for. They always say that the first one's kind of, you know, get, get your feet wet, but you're getting paid in the second. So for Josh Jacobs, it behooves him to – uh, you know, show up, put up good numbers, and, and be the type of, of running back and, and teammate that organizations are going to want to sign. They're going to carry a fullback. They brought in Brandon Bolden from New England. They used two of their draft picks. Granted, one was a seventh rounder, but two of their draft picks on running backs. How surprised would you be if Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake were to be traded or cut before the season started? Oh, boy. Um, I don't think anything would surprise me at this point. I think uh, I think Kenyon Drake kind of fits a little bit into the system, the way that the Patriots have always run things with his skill set. Um, but I think that uh, if the if the Raiders have the, the cap money and can do it, I think that it'd be nice to have some depth at that position with some quality guys. But I don't think anything's going to surprise me. I mean, McDaniel's. Had his stint in Denver and said that he learned from all of that, but you know we're, a lot of things are being based on. Well, this is how the Patriots did it. Well, McDaniel's is is going to take some things from the Patriots, but I think that he wants to carve out also his own identity. So I don't think that we can say, well, this is the way Belichick would have done it for every single thing that's going on. So 
I think that there's going to be a learning curve for, for everybody in terms of how this is going to go, and it's going to take a season to kind of get a feel for both the gang is in Ziggler and how they operate and do things. Well, we know how they operate and do things with the media so far, so <laughs> we're, we're good with that. Uh, not really. Um, they did not really address the offensive line in the offseason. It seems, you know, I know they had the draft pick, but it seems like the, this might be who they're going with, although there's still free agents out there uh, with their cap uh, cleared a little. Are you are you uh, confident Alex Leatherwood can be better this year no matter where they play him, and are you surprised they haven't addressed it more? Uh, I'm not confident uh, yet until I see it happen uh, and Alex Leatherwood can but I'm stunned that they did not make more moves with the offensive line because I thought that obviously I mean everybody in Raider Nation knows it was the one of the biggest glaring weaknesses. Now they do have some cap money. They got the, the money that was just released uh, on the cap from the guys that they cut uh, the Carl Nassibs and and Littletons uh, and Krakowskis. And they also have you know not only uh, maybe some more free agent signings, but there's always going to be uh, some type of a, a big big name or productive cut during training camp usually. Uh, and so they have some flexibility to maybe bring in a, a big time right tackle or, or right guard to help out that offensive line down the road. Um, but the fact that it wasn't a season really does surprise me because uh, you're investing a lot of money uh, in, in Derek Carr. You're investing a lot of money in your wide receivers. Derek Carr has to have the time to throw to his wide receivers. Uh, and you want to run the football as well. So uh, I, I don't think they're done on the offensive line yet. They can say that they're content and that the, these guys are working hard, but if they get an opportunity to bring in somebody, uh, I think they jump at the chance. If you ask Derek Carr right now, hey, we've got a little bit of money to spend, should we extend Hunter Renfro or spend it on an offensive lineman? Which one do you think he would choose? <laughs> oh, man. Publicly or privately, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I know in his heart of hearts, so even though he'll never publicly say it, you know, every quarterback wants to have, you know, that iron curtain up front uh, for them to, to give him protection. Um, so I, I think well, we all know the whole run for a deal is going to get done at some point. I mean, he's just he's just a gamer. And so we know that that's going to get done. I, I, I think that, that Carr's like, hey, get me some bodies up here that are going to give us some protection because. Let's face it, look at the AFC West. They're going to have to put up a lot of points to win games. And, you know, the, the defense is still unproven. The Raiders are going to have to put up big-time points if they're going to stay in contention to win the division. Uh, and that means that they're going to have to, to keep everybody uh, healthy and keep Derek Wright upright, or Derek Carr upright, excuse me. When Josh McDaniel says, I can't be Bill Belichick, I won't be, how much do you believe him that he won't try to be? Oh, I think he has learned a little bit from his time in Denver. Um, and you've seen it, you know, while some of the practice stuff that we joke about with the media is very similar to what the Patriots did, but I think that that it will be uh, a little bit different than that. And I think that once things get rolling, I think that, that maybe things will loosen up a little bit just in terms of, of uh, his personality coming out a little bit more. Um, so I don't think that it's going to be completely the Patriot way, but obviously he's been in that organization a long time, but he's going to pull what he thinks are the best things out of that organization, uh, even if some of us don't believe uh, and and agree with him on that and, and put those into place. But 
Will it be full-on Belichick mode? I don't think we're going to get that. All right, Kevin, don't hurt your eyes too much trying to watch practice tomorrow. <laughs> I'll just uh, look over at Ed and then say, well, I know you can't see anything either, so uh, we'll, we'll go to Sam Gordon or one of these young guys with that much better vision. Sam, than us Sam will not need binoculars. I will have mine ready for that I use on the, uh, in the football games when <laughs> I go. watch every play with my binoculars. He's Kevin Bollinger <laughs> from Fox 5. Kevin, as always, we appreciate Thank it. Thank you, buddy. All right, guys. Do you have good eyesight? Yeah, because I got LASIK. I have, oh, that's right. Yeah, that's I right. LASIK. I forget about I the LASIK. LASIK. Yeah. And it hasn't gotten worse over time or anything? A little bit. Not not near it was it was before I got it. No. Okay. No. All right. My mom got LASIK, and it got worse over time. Over time? Yeah. I mean, she got yeah. it like 15 years ago now. So she, so she had a good run. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But she's got to wear glasses to like read stuff and okay. stuff like that. But yeah. So, but you can still I see. gauge I gauge how I can, how many license plates I can read. How driving. many? Or like how far away? How far away? Okay. Yeah, how far away? Yeah. Do you do that like every time you drive? <laughs> well, as my driving will uh, test. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you're a bad driver? Because you're trying to get closer to the to car to X read the license plates. Two Nine J L. He's reading all the cars around him instead of looking at the road. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we got tickets to give away. Not Fest Road Show with Slipknot Friday, June seventeenth at MGM Grand Garden Arena. You can buy tickets at axs.com. Or you can win a pair from now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. You win a pair of tickets to go to the NotFest Roadshow with Slipknot. We'll take caller number six right now. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Bischoff. Ed is out the next few days. He'll be out at minicamp covering Raiders practice and potentially talking to the quarterback of this team, Derek Carr. Uh, we'll see give a report happens. on what his hair looks like. Yes. He usually wears a baseball cap, yeah. though, so Ooh. we'll have to Ooh, see if there's any curls Tell in Tell Cassie to ask him. That's a perfect Cassie Soto question. It would be a good question. So, yeah, well, and she is from Raiders.com, so she can right. take a picture for the website. Right. Um, so Wednesday, we're going to call you and get an update on uh, my binoculars. binoculars. Does the phone work with the binoculars? <laughs> Maybe Derek Carr's hair. I'm trying to figure out. I'm holding up my phone. Good radio. <laughs> <laughs> on how you don't have your binoculars with you do you no but <laughs> I, why are you holding your eye? i was gonna say do you want me to put up like my camera in front of your camera and see yes <laughs> ready put it up ed is currently holding his hand up to his eye to, as if it's a binocular yeah but see, I think you got to do it the opposite way. You got to put the camera between your face and the That's binoculars. That's true because the binocular makes it more magnified. Yeah, yeah you would just put the like binocular that. to like the to, yeah, yeah to the camera lens on the back. So I got my hand shaped like a binocular round little thing, right? And then the camera. Yeah, the camera lens up to the binocular. I think where the your PR people go. would be mad at me. I think they'd be like, "What's that guy doing?" I think over they'll there? laugh at you more than anything. <laughs> and I, I think if. In all honesty, as much as like we've joked about the, the whole Patriot West and secrecy thing, I think if you told Josh McDaniels, hey, uh, this Ed Graney guy is holding his phone up to his binocular <laughs> to get a closer view, he'd be like, all right, let him do it. <laughs> if that's if that's what it's going to take. If they're going to these kind of yeah, lengths let to do get it. a picture of Derek Carr throwing a pass, <laughs> then we're going to let them do it. Let them do it. Do they wear pads in this? Mini camp. I thought they did. They have OTAs have been yeah, uh, shirts and yeah, just shirts helmets. and shorts. I thought mandatory minicamp, although I'm not sure because guys who have not been there, I don't think could take contact. I think they'd have to stay off the pads, right? Interesting. All right. If they haven't been at OTAs. Okay. So I, 
We'll see. Report back I'll know, on Wednesday. I'll know my binoculars. Yeah. I have I have a, an important referee umpiring complaint for you. Did you see the Astros closer get ejected yesterday? I did not. All right. Astros Royals. During the course of the game, two Astros got hit by pitches. Neither one looked even remotely intentional, right? They just looked like pitches that got away. I think okay. both of them were off-speed pitches, okay. too. But two Astros got hit during the course of the game. Bottom of the ninth inning, 7-3 to three is the score. Astros. There, yeah, Astros are winning. There are two outs. The Astros closer throws a pitch that runs inside on the Royals' nine-hitter. <laughs> Didn't hit him. He got out of the way. Didn't hit him, but it ran inside on him. The home plate umpire stops the game, calls the other umpires together, and then warns both teams' benches and Ryan Presley, who's on the mound. And Ryan Presley was like, what are you doing? Starts yelling at the umpire. Like, why are you warning me? I wasn't trying to hit him. There hasn't been a single intentional hit by pitch in this game. Just starts yelling at the umpire. The umpire kind of tells him, like, shut up, like, calm down. And Presley keeps going at him, and the umpire throws Presley out of the game. And Presley almost threw the ball at the ump. Like, he wanted to. He eventually just threw it behind his back. But he looked like he wanted to throw the baseball in his hand at the ump. But the umpire warned both teams with two outs in the ninth inning. And it didn't even hit the guy. Didn't on a pitch that did not hit anybody. What the royal guy do? He just stood there. He didn't right? didn't He's even like, react. It just came inside, and he. What got in the out world the was he calling everyone else in for? What what could the conversation have been? Hey guys, what do you think? Was this intentional? I, I don't know. I Overthinking don't know. the room. Overthinking and the room. Exactly. It was like, what's happening here? And so the Astros had to bring in a new reliever. Cold. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, okay, come. Closed the game. He didn't. He walked two guys and gave up a hit, and they had to bring in another reliever oh, no. to finish the game off. But it's like, why did you just throw the guy out for not hitting somebody after? Like, nobody was mad at anybody the entire game. I, I One of the most bizarre ejections just I've seen. Just taking the power too much. Right. Just taking your power too much. Overthinking the room. Typical umpire. Yeah. I was, and Dusty Baker afterwards was like, they said they were doing their jobs, but... They were doing it a little too well or something. I don't know what that was. 